I'm Professor Neil Feinstein, and this is Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Ideas thrive here. If you search for Elisa Freud on social media, you'll see the following hashtags connected to her profiles. Hashtag podcasting, hashtag digital marketing, hashtag entrepreneurship, hashtag influencer marketing, and hashtag women supporting women. As you'd suspect, Aliza is very active on social media in many ways, and even in traditional media. And you'd think that she was an influencer, but actually no. She is, while she is not an influencer, she is an influencer expert. And through her organization, she speaks, Aliza and her team connect brands with female consumers. It's about empowering women by giving them a platform and a microphone. Well, Aliza, I'm giving you a platform and I'm giving you a microphone and to talk to my students through conversations with the creators. How are you today? I'm doing great, and thank you for this platform. Well, thank you for joining, stepping up, and sharing your wisdom. Um, so tell it. Let's let's talk about she. First of all, it's a great name. She speaks is an is a wonderful name. Tell us, you know, tell us what your vision was in 2007 when you were starting the organization. Yeah, um, we started as uh, a research company. So. Um, back in 2007, if people remember back then, um, probably many of your students were quite young back then, but uh, it was early digital days and I worked at a very big brand uh, doing marketing and branding at that company. Um, and it was uh, a time where, you know, there, digital was becoming a bigger part of marketing activities, but people hadn't really figured it out yet. And as somebody who worked on the brand side, I'd always been interested in the women's market. I felt that, um, you know, I knew that women had tremendous spending power. And I knew this because I worked at American Express. Um, I saw that women were responsible for making the decisions about what to buy. Um, I saw that women made the decisions about which credit cards to get. And, uh, and, and I figured, well, if a company like American Express was starting to think about how do we win with women, then everybody is probably thinking about how do we win with women? Because, um, you know, products and services uh are 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 things that lots of companies hadn't realized maybe at that point that how how important women were and what influencers women were in the decisions to buy those products and everything from food products to cars to across the board across industries so um the idea for she speaks was initially that we would create an online panel um that digital um would be a very efficient way to do market research and that we would have women help us co-create products and marketing communications. So I signed up a handful of brands that were willing to entrust us um, to try to get feedback about their products, sample their products, get feedback about them. And um, what we figured out very early on after we launched was that women were signing up 
by the like by the tens of thousands and it was way with the sign up um was way faster than we expected it to be and what we realized is that a lot of those women who were signing up um were women who you now call influencers but back then they were mommy bloggers which mm. a term i hate they were women who were very active on social media early adopters and they were working to build a following on their blogs, on their social media accounts. And after a few times of saying, hey, listen, we're gonna send you this product to try, but you cannot write about it. You can't talk about it on your blog. We just want you to give us feedback confidentially. Do not write about it. After a couple of times of that, the marketer in me said, wait a second, what a great opportunity there is to actually co to work with these women once the product is ready for distribution and for prime time we should work with these women to help spread the word about these products because their audience is consu are consumers of these products as well so that's how we evolved but we started in 2007 the initial idea was we were going to build an online research panel of women um to give feedback uh about products and services and I we evolved from there i think it's so interesting how people start an organization and they have an idea and an image and how as the marketing environment changes, how as the consumer environment, how as the media environment changes, the leaders of the companies, of the organizations have the vision to leverage those changes and become the next, to take their, take their concept and take it to the, to the next thing. I don't even want to say the next level, the next thing, because really, it's, it seems to me just going from a panel where you're learning about, where you're researching women, you're researching their purchase behavior, the decision-making um, process that they go through, reasons why, is, is a natural extension to becoming the, 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 the panel becomes the platform that we talked about. Right. And, yes. And now you have a whole set of new tools out there to do that. Talk talk about how talk about how that transition I, I, I spoke a little too long because I want to let you speak, but talk about how that transition happened. What, what was going on in your mind? Um how did you take take it from from just a panel into this whole influencer marketing and um and and other and all the other platforms that you're using? Um Okay, well, not elegantly, I will say that's a start. I, right. I did, I, it was, um, you know, it is a entrepreneurship as, you know, maybe um, people who are listening have some experience with it. It is very much like kind of jumping off of a cliff and trying to kind of, art, you know, construct your parachute as you're going down, right? Mm -hmm. It is really a um a process of uh adjustment and evolution and i think um we really we came upon this idea but i want to be very clear that the market was not ready for this idea and i'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you two major things that were problematic because i think they're instructive um for other people who may be interested in one day doing you know building a business and there were two really valuable lessons number one was 
in it, you probably know this because of, of, of your area of expertise, but within marketing, market research and marketing are like church and state. Right. You do not mix the two, right? If you're doing market research, you're doing it for the purpose of understanding feedback, you know, trying to enhance a product. You are, that is the purpose. If you are doing marketing, you're doing it to sell product. You're doing it to build your brand. The, 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 the people who are making decisions about market research are not the same people who are making decisions about marketing. So when you change your business model from, oh, we're going to start, we're going to not focus on the marketing, the market research, we're going to focus on the marketing. You're talking to a whole different group of buyers for those services. And it doesn't matter if you have the relationships at a big company in market research, because you need to be talking to the marketing team at at those companies. So just to be clear on that, what we had to then do was say, you don't, you can't walk into a room and say, hey, we can do market research for you or, or we can do marketing because either the person in the room is the market research buyer or they're the marketing buyer. You're not, you're not getting, it's not typically the same people in the room. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was an issue of, okay, be very smart about who you're going after and how you articulate very concisely what you do because you have to pick a lane and pick the lane. And that's, so that was lesson number one. Lesson number two, which was also really important, was that we were um, very much uh, what you call swimming upstream. Digital was still very new. People had did not understand the, influencer marketing did not exist in 2008 and 2009 when we started talking to people about influencers. It did not exist. So going into a room and saying, hey, we do this thing where we use people who are social media influencers to create content for you and spread that message was like, wait, what are you talking about? It's like you were taught we were talking a different language. And that's because we were too early. Right. It's too early with that message. So it's what what I refer to as as swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. And we had to learn how to talk about it in a way that was um, digestible to a buyer of our service who had not ever heard of it before or done it before. So um, two important lessons there. One is to be incredibly. targeted and um and and clear on what you're selling and don't mix a a message so that you you're confusing people and then the other is um if you're selling something that is completely new to the market be really careful about how you talk about it so that you give people a way to try it and see that it works and then do more so, so that's interesting too. So, what did you say when? So, you're you're un, you're formulating this idea of influencers. The word influencer is probably not out there. How did you present that idea to potential clients to say, "I have these women who could help sell your product"? How did you talk to them about that back back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when you were first doing it? I'm sure that language has changed as is much easier that conversation is much easier to have in 2023 uh, i mean you're swimming up you're 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 not swimming upstream 
2023. You've got wind at your back, right? It's the exact opposite. And now everyone's like, oh, influencer marketing. People know it. They understand what it is. Um, so back then, we went in and talked to talked about it. Like um, we used a phrase, a term called word of mouth, mm-hmm. word of mouth marketing, and that was it was much more in the consumer to consumer space. So I don't know if you remember that. And your students definitely won't. But you may remember that old um, Fabergé hair commercial where it's like about the shampoo and mm-hmm. it was Farrah Fawcett was one of the actresses who was in it. Um, but it was like a screen and Farrah Fawcett says, you know, I tried Fabergé hair shampoo and it did a great job on my hair. And and I told a friend and she told two friends and they told two friends and so on. And the screen multiplies Farrah's head. Right. I don't know if you remember this commercial. I do. It was actually was... it was actually Heather Locklear. <laughs> what is it? I thought it was Farrah Fawcett. Oh, well, we could she Google also it. Do it? Uh, maybe I don't, they both did it, but might, I remember. It, it but, was, but but it was the embodiment. For... Right, it was the embodiment of 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 word of mouth, and and yes, I get. I, it's a hundred percent. I get that. Yes, and that we figured out that. Um, as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. A video is worth a million. So uh, yes. we um, we would go into meetings and show that clip and say, this is what we mean. That when you, and, and it just put people in the mind, frame of mind to understand, oh, we get it. Consumers are, we know consumers talk about our products and we know they tell other people, if only we could figure out what the value of that was. So then we were able to get in to have people say, I'm going to test it and, and let's start to build a measurement to understand what is the value of doing this. And once we got to a place where you could accurately start to measure the what's called earned media, Mm -hmm. like how many people are, are we getting this message in front of? That's when things started to get a lot easier. And that's when it became a lot easier to find the buyers for this because you could go in and say, okay, who deals with earned media? PR firms deal with earned media. The, you know, who else deals with, with earned media. And now in 2023, we work with media buying agencies. We work with all kinds of um, of different functions because you can you can easily articulate what the value is of what you're doing. That is a bit. I mean, in marketing, you have to be able to show what what you're delivering, what you know, what the investment is going to return. And once we started to figure out how to talk about it in terms that were already understood within the industry, it got a lot easier. So how, what do you say to clients? I mean, I, I think that everybody knows the value. I mean, it's easy enough to Google statistics on how impressive, how Im- impactful uh, influencer marketing. What do you say? How do you, how do you have that ROI discussion? That's an interesting one because... I don't know, just how do you have that ROI discussion? So there's multiple components of how people look at ROI, how brands look at ROI. Right. One component is the media value. I mean, that, that. so if you're a brand, you're spending a lot of budget on buying media, right? So what we can do is say, okay, as 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 a benefit of doing this campaign, 
This is how many media impressions you're going to get. This is how many engagements you're going to get, meaning people who are actually going to engage with the content, like it, share it, comment, all of those things. And you can ascribe, I mean, in the media world, there's already a very well-established set of metrics that help you define what the value of an impression is, what the value of an engagement. Like these are things that the engagement stuff happened over time. But when we go in today and talk to people, we can say, all right, this is the value of the engagements we're delivering. These are the value of the impressions we're delivering. This is the value. If you we can link directly to sales, so you can see you can see conversion. You can see people adding product to carts. You can see people converting from right. taking you know cat, from going to um to you know uh, purchase from from whatever is in their cart. So you we have that. We also have ways um, to do um, foot traffic. What's called foot traffic studies. So we can see if a message goes out. Did that message drive people, increase traffic into a store that we are pushing people to? So we might be saying, hey, go into Target and buy a secret deodorant. I'm making this up. We can show whether we are increasing traffic walking into Target stores to purchase secret. There is, There are ways, there's tracking now through mobile devices that allows you to do that. The, the beauty of digital, everything is trackable, everything is measurable, and, yes. and, 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 and directly attributable to ROI, which is really fantastic. Yeah. So I'm just curious, I've, I've been hearing a, a shift in the discussion of calling influencers content creators. How do you feel mm -hmm. about that? Well, I think, I think it, that influencer has has developed a sort of negative connotation um because um you know it people ha have started to think oh it's somebody who is just uh being paid to hawk some product not a product that they maybe care about but they're just there to do it for the paycheck and i think that the term influencer mm -hmm. has developed a negative connotation and and in reality the it's 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 sort of like an outcome but it's not what they do right, right? what what would the with the we have this community of hundreds of thousands of female what we call creators and what they do is they have built a relationship with this audience so they are a media property right, right. they have built tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, like whatever their following is, that's their audience. But in addition, when they work on behalf of a brand, they're creating the messaging and the content. They're not just saying, hey, give me your ad and I'm gonna put it on my feed, right, the, to my audience. So they're a media property in the sense that, you know, you might go out and buy a digital ad and put it in front of some website's audience. They're, they are that because they have the audience, but importantly, they are also the ones creating the message and the content. So they're taking whatever 
we might be saying, oh, this is the key messaging that the brand wants to convey. And then they are putting it into their tone, into their, um, their great ideas for how to create content that is going to be authentic to them and compelling for their audience. So the influencing is a byproduct, but right. really what they do well is content creation which so, I, I i completely agree with you i think that i think that it's the right title because content is valuable influencing is a result that's right and it and it's valuable to influence somebody but it's also it's it's sort of the byproduct right. of the very hard work these people do right and um and what and and, and quite frankly their their talent so you know, look, the talent the, is understanding their audience and creating compelling content. There's two there's two questions that come out of it. The first question is, you know, I have a lot of students who feel and I, I know a lot of people, not just students. I have a lot of people who feel, oh, I'd be a great influence. Tell me, give them a reality check on how much work it becomes it takes to become to get to that point where you can become a valued um, money earning content creator. Um, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. constant. Um, you have to, in today's day and age, with how the algorithms work on the platforms, you have to be in a constant state of creating, editing, launching content. It's just, it is, it's constant. You can't say I'm taking two weeks off and I'm not creating content. Your numbers will drop. Um, that that's the way the algorithms work, right? I mean, I see it myself just when I, I mean, and as we started to say um, at the top of this, I don't consider myself to be an influencer. I understand the space, but I am not, but I do post on social media. I see this myself when I stop posting, if, if I don't post for a couple of weeks on, on like LinkedIn, as an example, which is a place I post often, sure. that my engagement numbers go down. Right. So I think what people have to understand is that being an influencer is constant creation of content, constant uh, one, creation of content and then and then um, and then sharing that content. One of our earlier, uh, that's important. one of our earlier guests two seasons ago was was an influencer in the yoga space. And I was having a conversation with him and he said to me, nobody walks into his house without signing a release. Mm -hmm. the, cam the camera is always on, mm -hmm. which is very mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, too, is that, um, you know, it's a lot of share of mind, right? Yeah. They're constantly thinking about it. They're constantly, if they're not in the, pro in the process of creating a piece of content, they're thinking about what's the next piece of content. Right. That's, it's, it's a big part of what they have to do because they always have to feed, uh, feed the audience that they've built or else the algorithm um, you know, gives them, it punishes them for it if they so, don't. So, so, so it's a, it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant, um, you know, needing of attention and focus. So, but as, as, um, so you're, you're the person who's putting together the right influencers with the appropriate brand or the appropriate okay. influencers with a brand. Right. And so you need, to, part of your conversation is the kind of content they're going to be developing, isn't it? Yes. So, so what we have learned is our job is to understand from the brand 
who are they trying? Who, who is their who is their message um, targeting? Who are they trying to appeal to? Who do they want as a customer um, or a, a viewer of their messaging? And once we understand who they're looking to to appeal to, our job then and what their key messages are, we then go and say, okay, who are the right influencers who have the audience that the brand is looking for right. and can can uh, credibly and off and and that by that credibly and authentically kind of go together, but who can we get to convey this message um, to their audience in a way that will work for the brand? We don't want to work with an influencer who is not going to be a good fit for that brand because it's going to backfire. So the job of finding the right influencer to create that right message for their audience is kind of where the art of all of this comes. There's science to it, which is we can see the influencer's audience. We understand the makeup of that audience, um, geographic, demographics. You can understand, yeah, you can see that sure. because of tools um, that are that we have access to. But it's not just that. It's does it make sense for this influencer, even if they have the right audience, does it make sense for them to talk about this? Right. Is it consistent with their other messages? Is it consistent with their content? Right. And then can they do a good job? of creating a message that the brand is looking to convey to the, to the audience. And then once we find the right influencer for the brand and we brief them, we give them an enormous amount of latitude to create the content that works for their audience. Mm -hmm. And this is a really important part of the process. You can't, if you stifle, the good, the the knowledge, the insight that the influencer has on their audience, you are wasting money, because the influencer, this creator, these influencers spend every day interacting with that audience. They know that audience way better than you do, and they are going to know what works best for that audience. So as long as they are not off tone or um, off message in terms of what the brand's looking to convey, we really try to give them that latitude to create a message that is going to work for the brand and work for their audience. That's brilliant. Thank you. So, so who are your favorite influences? Who should we, who should I be following? <laughs> oh God, there's so many great influencers. I mean, I think it depends on um, the space. I'll tell you a few examples of some of my favorite Okay. Things that have happened. How about that? I love that. Um, because there are just so many great, amazing creators True. to follow. Um, and and I, 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 I literally follow many, many people. But I'll give you an example that I think uh, is a, are, are some fun examples. We, um, we had an opportunity. We were working with um, KitKat. Um, oh, yeah. on the launch they do um they do flavor launches they uh, they'll do like a special limited edition flavor um we worked on the launch of of a birthday cake kit kat which as it might sound is a birthday cake flavored kit kat and um, i need to have that one. i'm sorry <laughs> and i need to have that <laughs> yeah it's um if you like birthday cake, uh -huh. uh, it's 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 not a bad one to try. They also had one that was like an apple pie, try mm. to sort of flavor. 
And when we were thinking about who would be good to convey this message and who would be like a fun um, partner for them as, as a creator and an influencer. And we, and we, we got their demographics of who they were going after. We knew what they were looking for in terms of the audience. And when we looked at the influencers, we said, oh my gosh, we have to get Allison Hannigan. She was from American Pie and she also had, was on that series, How I Met My Mo Your Mother, yeah, yeah, How yeah. I Met My, you know, Your Mother. Um, but she's very well known for the movie American Pie, right. which very famously has an apple pie scene. And go. so we thought, oh, this would be fun and kitschy. She's the right, like, she's the right, um, uh, brand, so to speak, in terms of the kind of person that, that the brand was looking for. But how cool is it that she also has this association with apple pie? Like this could be really fun. And without a lot of other expectation, we said, let's just have her, like, let's do it. So she posted, she did her post um, about apple pie. And lo and behold, this, and this, by the way, does not happen, right? This is the world of, of creator and influencer marketing. Jason Biggs, who was her co-star in right. American Pie, sure. organically jumped onto her post and started engaging with her like, oh my God, Kit Kat had, you know, should have had me involved in this too. Meanwhile, she like, so they are, they're engaging with one another. And then the brand got the chance to jump in and engage with Wow. Jason Biggs on her post, the post went viral. Yeah. And it is, it is just, it's that kind of, you know, you want to be smart about picking the person who has the right audience and is a good fit for the brand. But also if you can find like a little extra hook that could be really interesting, those are really fun examples um of what we you know what we get to do and it's it's the fun stuff it's like it's such a fun you know kind of creative marketing exercise that's what i love about the space that we're in as a as a you know a marketer by trade this is a, a space that is constantly like about thinking creatively and strategically yeah. um about who are the right people to target and what is the right way to convey a message to be compelling to an audience nice. um it was a very it was a very successful uh launch so you know those are those are fun examples where i love that the influencer the creator in this instance was a really good fit um, for the product and the message that we were trying to convey. Plus they had that little extra something well, that made it, made it special. We know, we know how important authenticity is and mm -hmm. what that smacks of is a, a real, not manufactured conversation about people who really love something and that's what get and that and that is the power of influencer marketing people feel like it's real people feel like they're they're you're in my social media so you must be a friend of mine and what you're saying really and I want to get in the conversation too um, mm -hmm. so that is just brilliant thank you so much I do have one last question before I let you go um, and it's the standard last question that I, we've gotten so many brilliant answers um, what is the one most important piece of advice that you have to give that you have to give my students right now? Um, failure is not fatal. It is, uh, 
<laughs> especially yeah. students, right? We learn from the time we start school that you don't want to fail. You don't want to fail. You don't want to fail. Um, in in life and in work, uh, the that you are go if you are pushing yourself and you are growing, you are going to fail, and that is part of the process. It is part of what you're going to learn from. And it is also an incredibly important part of learning resilience is, you know, you fail. And so you say, okay, how do I move forward? And I think, I think for me, I was, um, I was definitely one of those goody two shoe students. Um, and I didn't want to not do well. I wanted to, you know, never fail. And so when I sort of got dumped into the work, work working world, um, I thought to myself, well, I can't fail. Um, but what I learned, um, over time is that some of my most valuable lessons I learned from failure, um, and also they became some of my, um, most successful iterations, right? I mean, you know, we, we, we learn how to make something better when it doesn't go exactly as according to, according to plan. And so I think for me, um, you know, one of the most important things that I learned and experience helps you understand this. So don't worry if you don't learn this the first time you fail, <laughs> there will be plenty of opportunities. But, uh, you know, recognizing that that the fa failure is part of the process. Yes. It's part every single successful person has failed and um, many times. And it is a very important lesson in resilience uh, because, you know, you're going, you, the, you will move forward. You would there, you know, you will have another opportunity to do, to, to take that knowledge and, and, and have it help you as you go forward. So don't, don't fear failure. I, I think that's brilliant. You need failure. Failing is part of the road to success. It is, it is, it is. It is it is it is the way to get there because you can't figure out what's right until you know what's wrong. Thank you so much, Elisa. It's been such a pleasure talking with you and just getting to know you. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been Conversations with the Creators, sponsored by St. John's Master's Program in Integrated Advertising Communications. Thanks to all our guests, my colleagues, Professor Audrey Siegel Mavora. Kevin James, Christine Munk, and our producer, Miriam Prever. Keep on ideating. <laughs>